Hello, this is Victor Young, and I am your Daily Life Coach, and thank you for joining me for Episode 3, Season 1, and the Daily Life Coach Podcast. Before we get started, I'd just like to give out a special hello to my friends and followers in Sydney, Australia, as well as Wales. You guys are great subscribers, followers. You do the whole kit and caboodle. You just don't follow from a distance and try to check it out when you can. You guys are clicking the subscribe button and making it happen. I just wanted to acknowledge you, and hopefully I can get Australia on my schedule sometime in 2017. I've never been to Australia. I've been I've been to the South Pacific. I've been to Tahiti and Huahine. So I've been down south, but never, never to Australia. I've, I've got to make that happen. We're going to have a great episode today. We're, we're going to chat about a very specific industry today. I've, I've got some special requests from my my fellow brethren in the automotive world. Obviously, uh, for those of you who know who I am, I've got uh, a high-tech enterprise, human technology solutions, as well as my production side of things, Media Management Global and Victor Young Productions. But I also, I was born... Well, I don't think I was born there, actually. But close, though. I think I could be, I could almost be considered born a car guy, an automotive guy. Uh, Victor Young Enterprises, uh, I am partnered up with a fantastic partner, Mr. Larry Morgan. Larry Morgan with Morgan Automotive Group. We, we together, we jointly own BMW of Sarasota, Lamborghini Sarasota, and uh, three other ventures coming online. I'll leave them off the table right now, but... I'm an automotive guy. I've been around for a while and spent some time with a lot of luxury and non-luxury brands and, and quite a bit in the exotic and super sports car world. So I'm a car guy as well. So uh, I've got a lot of requests in that automotive field. So here you go, guys. This is for you in the automotive world. We're going to get down and dirty and specific on being a sales manager in an automobile dealership. What does that even mean, a sales manager? I'm going to talk some lingo today. You're going to learn some cool stuff. We call it a desk desk manager. Sounds a little silly, right? A desk manager. He manages a desk, and he sits at a table desk. It's like, I don't know, four feet wide by 48 inches across, and it's probably 36 inches high, maybe that high. I'm looking at the table right now while I'm talking, trying to get a good visual here for myself. And this desk manager that we speak of in a car dealership, they manage the desk. Anything that comes across that desk, they manage it. Coffee runs, they orchestrate it, like an air traffic controller. Starbucks normally in the morning, depending on the month. Beginning of the month or commission check time at Starbucks. You know, that third week of the month when things aren't quite going the way they want it to and they're not sure how the month's going to wash out. You might get uh, some, some Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And uh, Week four, if things are great, they're back up to Starbucks. If things aren't going so good, they're going to, they're doing that, uh, McDonald's dollar cup, any size, small, medium, large, pick a cup. That's a buck. There's no latte in it. There's no cafe con leches. No macchiatos in it. None of that. That's how it goes. They manage coffee runs. They know every restaurant in town. They're like the mayor of the fine cuisine, the eating world. Three o'clock, who's got the freshest food? 11 o'clock, it's brunch time. 12.15, it's lunch time. They, they know everything about dining at that desk. They know which fork to use, which plate to use. They know the bread and drink you know, thing and etiquette. So you do the fingers. You make a B and a D. and Okay, that means the bread goes on 
on the left side. Is that the bread over here? And then the drink is on the right side. They know how to do all that stuff. Desk managers are there. They, they know they're right around a table. They know how to entertain from their desk. It's like watching a little Broadway show from the desk. Very talented individuals. You show me a good desk manager and you can get a good screenplay. Probably a movie or two. Probably blockbuster quality content. They master a bunch of stuff from that desk. Now, what happens outside the desk, that's where things start getting tricky for a desk manager because there's a lot where customers walk and yeah, they can't see that unless they've got a fancy security system with some PTC cameras. And So that's when things really start to get tricky for your average desk manager when they have to leave the desk. Unless that client comes to their desk, they, they kind of get a little nervous because they're so comfortable in that desk zone. So sometimes that term desk manager, I think, can affect an individual who has got great potential because they tend to come attached to that desk. They work their way up through the ranks with the hopes of one day being able to hold that chair down, that chair that's broken sideways a little bit because the last desk manager never got out of it. That's like an aspirational thing for a desk manager, a sales guy. One day, that desk will be mine. Well, that position, as well as many others, are under attack in the automotive business because innovation, technology, the way the clients shop, the way clients buy, you know, it's not like the old school days where you had the meet and greet in the parking lot for the first time. Customer got to walk around, wander around looking for a car, and they made a decision later on. So let's, let's, I'm going to fast forward. Let's get past all that. I want to talk about if you are a guy or female in the automotive industry and you're thinking about becoming a desk manager, let's call it a sales manager. I don't even like that term, desk manager. It just sounds so antiquated. You want to become a sales manager. What does that look like? How do you make that transition from selling to becoming a sales manager? Or even better yet, how do you, how do you transition? Let's talk, let's talk about that. How do you transition from one department to the next? Maybe sales to sales manager, internet director to sales manager, salesperson to sales manager, or what if you're a sales manager? This could be generic. What if you're a sales manager in any industry and you leave a company and you're fairly successful and you migrate to another company to become a manager of sales in that organization? Sounds simple enough, correct? I just want to share a couple of simple facts with you. You're on the clock right now, meaning you've got X amount of days or months to demonstrate whether or not you're going to be able to get the respect and performance out of that team. You don't have years to do it. You don't have it. You've got about 90 days to at least establish the fact that I know what I'm doing. People like me here. I may not know the brand yet, but I'm working on it every single day, and I'm the right choice. How do you establish that? How do you, in 90 days, demonstrate to your peers, to the owner of the organization, the general manager, your subordinates, that I'm the right person for the job? I'm the right sales manager, desk manager, if you want to call it that, desk manager. How do you do that? First question you have to ask yourself is this. Do I have enough professional capital via my reputation or skill set that would allow me to 
lead the entire department on doing things my way? Can I come in and change every policy procedure within the first 90 days successfully? Do I have that much professional capital? Ego, let's take ego off the table because every sales manager probably has the ego to think they can do it. They can change everything. Droughts out west, you name it. A good sales manager thinks he can change everything in the planet. But let's let's go a little bit further into this. Do you actually have the skill set and professional capital to do that? And if you don't, here's what I want you to, to do. You need to find out what do I have the professional capital to change my first week, my first month, or... You take another approach and learn the language that's already being spoken and learn how to enhance what's already in play. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, sometimes the easiest and best thing to do is to improve the processes that are just not being executed properly. Most of the time, people come in and they try to introduce a new language and no one can speak it except for them. And they want to tell everyone how easy it is to speak it. And then when no one follows them, they get upset. These people don't want to follow me. They can't follow you. They don't know what language you're speaking. Sometimes it's easier for that one individual to learn the language of the department he's entering or she's entering into than it is to teach everyone else something completely different. 99% of the time I've found that when a sales manager has left a position, it's because they were not executing processes and systems that were already in place. Are some processes better than others? Sure. But as long as they are ethical, compliant, legal, and moral, you can almost make just about any process work as long as it's it's current and it addresses customer needs and concerns. With that said, you don't have to have the perfect process. You just need fantastic communication and know where to place your professional capital. One of the things I do first with my new sales managers is this. If there's leadership books, management books, books on execution, whatever it is, utilization and systems, the first thing I do is I get them on board with reading whatever material and systems we are utilizing. If there is a specific mentality, process, approach that we are executing currently and that we are communicating on and we are trading on this system, they've got to learn it. I always hear sales managers or new managers come into an organization, and the first thing they say is, here's how we did it where I'm from. And that's great. I I encourage you to bring new ideas. However, the first thing you've got to do is gain the respect of your followers, of your peers, your subordinates, your team, by proving to them that you can communicate in their native language. If I give a a manager a book on leadership and he goes, no, but I read this other book. Let me tell you about it. But every other manager in the entire organization has read hmm, the five levels of leadership. But you want to tell me about another book and, and, but you want to fight us on the book and say, no, you don't understand. I like this book. Is it easier to change 20 people or one person? And sometimes it's not even changing. Oftentimes you'll find the leadership principles are very similar, if not the same. They may be communicated in a different way, but they normally come from a very old place. And we may experience them or approach them differently or discuss them in a different way and from a different point of view, but they're born from the same founding principles. The difference is the language and how we communicate them and how we translate them and how we execute it. Stop fighting so much on that front. Everyone knows you're smart. You would have got the job if you weren't smart. Learn the language in the department, in the store, 
Learn it. Then after you speak that language well and you start gaining the respect and you start creating some professional capital, then you can start implementing your ideas. I even encourage continuous improvement cycles. Most sales managers aren't the best facilitators, coaches, or trainers. They're just not. They sit at the magic desk and they just want to tell you what to do. Go say this. I'm going to give you this line that's so powerful that when you deliver this line, the customer is going to buy. Hmm. Well, what happens if they don't? Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. Crickets. Because then you've got a salesperson who just went and said this incredibly wise thing. And maybe that wasn't the hot button for that customer. And then what? So here's what I'm saying is this, sales managers. Don't be so lazy. Train your people to sell and to demonstrate and to communicate before they engage with a client. It's pretty simple. It's very simple. Whether you sell watches, clothing, cars, it doesn't matter. It should happen before you get in the game. That's why there's training camp for football. There's preseason. There's regular season. There's postseason. There's different levels of play, communication, evolution of play throughout the season. And if we think we can just get in the championships with a client unprepared, we haven't communicated, no one knows why they're saying this thing that you say it's so great. And as soon as the client asks the first question about why and where they come up with this idea or how does it work, it sounds great. How does it work? Explain it to me. And the only thing you can do as a sales manager is say, just do it. It's going to work. Well, why? If an actor got to read the script the day of filming, the day of shooting, and you wanted this Oscar-worthy performance from them, do you think you're going to get it? If they don't know the emotion of the story of the screenplay, the tone, what's going on in the scene, what happened in the scene prior to, they know nothing about the character. What made the character who they are? Why is this person grouchy? Why are they happy? Why are they rich? Why are they poor? I, I hope you're starting to get this. If if we don't really communicate on the same the same language, we just have to speak the same language with our people consistently, and we have to know why. I see so many sales managers, not just in automotive, but in a lot of different industries, come and go based upon the fact that they don't establish a foundation to work from, a language that's universal, that everyone understands. They don't coach, drill, rehearse. They don't demonstrate together. They talk. They just talk. They don't review. They don't go back and say, let's review last week's meeting or last week's training. And they don't establish an agenda for the next training or the next meeting. This is what we're covering today. Next week when we get together, this is what we plan to do with that information. Who's going to demonstrate? Who's going to facilitate this meeting? Who's going to be my co-chair? Partner with your people. Allow them to engage with you. If the only way you're partnering with your, with your people is sending them on coffee, coffee runs and lunch runs from the sales desk, that's not what being a leader is all about. 
just because you saw your sales manager do that in, in like the 1980s and that seemed cool and you think that's the perception or that's the that's what a boss does. Yeah, that's what a boss does. Since people get coffee, lunch, dry cleaning. Order from Jimmy John's. They're quick. They can get you your sandwich in 10 minutes. It's good stuff. It's fresh. Don't waste your people's time on menial tasks and being a presiding boss or this business will pass you by. Any business in this day and age, in the age of innovation, will pass you by. What did I look like as a sales manager? I was a sales manager once. Every day I came in, I checked on my people. I made sure I knew what their personality or their, or their temperament was, their mood was for the day. And the only way I could find that out was I had to figure out what happened last night. Did you sleep last night? How are you feeling today? What's your game plan? What can I do to help you today? How's your short-term goals looking? Let's look at them. Have you made a move yet? Did you put a down payment on it? Have you saved anything? Every single day, I had to make sure I communicated and reached out to my people to make sure they were healthy, happy, and postured for success. And this was all genuine. This wasn't a script I read. I wanted to know. I wanted to make sure their families were doing well. Or I want to know when they weren't doing well. Successful people will make you wealthy. They'll promote you. They'll grow up around you. They'll make opportunities for you down the road when you need one. You don't have to manage successful people. Successful people will want to make you look successful. They will give you everything they have. You won't have to micromanage them or beat it out of them. They will want to get better. Anyone who's important to me, I want to give them my best. Organically, naturally, it's in me. It's how we're made. It's how we're designed. If you actually think you can mean someone into giving you their best, I'm going to be grouchy. I'm going to give them this really mean look. I'm going to make them feel uncomfortable. It doesn't work. You motivate them. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I use human resources and... I do write-ups, pips, process, improvement plans when I have to. But I make sure I've done my job before that would occur. Have I actually trained this person? Have I actually had them demonstrate what they've trained on? Am I working with them on their stats and their lead performance and their overall performance, their product knowledge? Have I taught them to do what I expect? Have I encouraged them to do it? Have I coached them to do it? If that's a no, how could I put someone on a pip or have this expectation if I failed as a sales manager, as a desk manager, as a leader? I could never possible, I couldn't sleep at night if I terminated someone knowing that I haven't done my part. I would call that a fear-based termination. Guys that are afraid because they know they haven't done their jobs and they've just got to pick someone out of the crowd. Yeah, um, that person right there, we shouldn't have hired them. That was a bad hire. Let's get rid of them. And, and that's the only reason we're not succeeding right now. And I guarantee you, once we get rid of them, then we're, we're going to hit our numbers next month. And you know what? Next month comes and the same thing happens. And they look for another scapegoat. They look for another sacrifice and they go, no, no, it's her. You know, she really, her CSI is just not really good right now. And if I just get her attitude, oh my gosh, her attitude's so bad. She's really bringing the team down. If I can just get rid of her and then we're, re- we're going to hit our numbers. I mean, the morale's going to come up. That's not it. Number one, who's leading your team? If there's other individuals that have so much control over your team that they can 
take their heads out of the game and you have no control of that, then who are they following? Who is the leader on your team? Every time you say they and it's them, you're speaking the language of destruction. Be accountable. It's your team. It's your ship. Run it as such. Motivate your people. Knowledge is power. People are more educated. Or more educated people are happier at their jobs. It's because they're comfortable doing what you're asking them to do. That allows them to perform at a much higher rate. You retain them longer, and they make more money when they know what they're doing, and they've been immersed in it inside and out. The average car dealership trains a new salesperson for less than five days. And most of that five-day training consists of someone sitting in a room watching videos. And that's cool. And these videos are good. And there's a lot of good information that comes from them. But they really need some good leadership. They need interaction. They need to be able to ask questions. Is your environment conducive to your people asking you questions and learning? Shame on me. I had a sales manager once who every single Monday morning meeting, staff meeting, we would talk about a specific subject matter. And at the end of the year, he finally leans over to another manager and says, what does Victor want me to get from him? I, I don't know if I'm getting it from him or not. I don't even know what this means. And he was terrified to tell me he didn't know anything because he came from another store. And this store just never trained their people. They never showed them financial statements. They never reviewed numbers. They never talked about development plans for themselves or their people. So he came in and he faked it as good as he could. He was a pretty good faker. I mean, the guy was a good faker. But shame on me that I wasn't having him demonstrate to me more. And so that taught me that I had to go back and have people start running meetings. You run the meeting today. You give the demonstration today. You tell me why this happens. Tell me why it didn't happen. And I also had to do the process improvement plan, which we'll talk about later. So the moral to this story is this. The sales tower of Babel. If everyone's speaking a different language in a sales organization, how can you succeed? If everyone's reading different success books, leadership books, Everyone has another approach to getting things done. No one really respects the training or the knowledge and skill set of, of, of another manager, of another teammate, of another sales professional or client advisor, or account manager, whatever you want to call them. If you have the sales tower of Babel, how can you expect to win as a sales team if no one's on the same page? Integration and onboarding is so important. It's the, it's the most important thing you can do. Onboarding people properly introducing them to everyone in every single department, having a list of who does what, where to find everything, and making sure they're 100% competent before you stick them out there to fail. Desk managers, you have to do a better job managing that desk of yours. Being a positional leader and sitting there and just having an expectation of your people to hit numbers without the proper support is very rookie-like. What's the term? Bush league? It's, it's just, it's bad. So here's what I want you guys to do. If you have a sales manager that you feel needs to improve in this this area. If you have the sales tower of Babel at your organization, it could be automotive, it could be anything, pharmaceutical, real estate, it doesn't matter. If you feel like you're lacking that communication, targeted training, development, encouragement, inspiration, motivation, whatever it may be, share this podcast with them. That's a good place to start. You can even send it to them in, uh, from an anonymous number. Anonymous says you need to listen to this. And sales managers, put your old books on the shelf. When you're going into a new organization, save it for 90 days. Don't try to over-implement. We're not going to launch 20 different things in 90 days 
None of it succeeds. And then you look like a loser. Launch initiatives when you have support, when you have people trained, and people are excited about it. If you launch initiatives without having people on board, it will fail. Every time it fails, you will lose professional capital. Once you spend all your professional capital, you're done. Just how it works. Any great leader, if he looks at another leader in an organization and realizes no one is following that leader, they've got to make a move. They can't afford to replace everyone and build a team around one person. Every now and again, you'll see that. And if that one person gets injured, they get hit by a bus, they go to another organization, what happens? They take that entire team to the next organization or no one else knows how to function with that team and everyone gets fired. And they have to draft and coach and recruit all over again. Learn the respect or learn to respect your people. They'll, they'll respect you back. And if you motivate, inspire, and coach your people properly, they will allow you to stretch them and make them better. But you have to ask for permission to do so. You have to identify the game plan. It can't be the secret plan, the secret plan that you're just trying to make them better, and you don't want to tell them about it. Share it with them. I want to help you get there. We're going to start there. Episode four, check it out. Episode four, it's called It's Alive, The Invention of Me. It's a good one. You're going to really enjoy it. Check us out. We're on Facebook at The Daily Life Coach, Twitter, Instagram, at the Victor Young or TheDailyLifeCoach.com. Make sure you subscribe. It makes it easy. When you subscribe, you just it just comes to you like manna, like honey. Falls from the sky. We'll check you out next time. Make sure you send us your questions in the meantime. And also, when you listen to the Daily Life Coach, take a picture of where you're listening at. Send it over to me. We'll pop it up on our social media sites. I love seeing the locations of where people are actually listening to the Daily Life Coach on Cloud, SoundCloud. Send it over. Got to check it out. We may use your post, we may use your picture, and send us your questions. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Daily Life Coach. We'll see you next time, next week, episode four, season one. It's called It's Alive, The Invention of Me. Have a great day.